Good morning, show. Sports Center 590 The Fan Man and Spring Gunning. Uh, weird day yesterday with weird. no Toronto sports, but the sports in general, mm. very good. Sportsing. Yeah. A sporting night of sports. I mean, if you're a Leaf fan, Sportsnet had you covered as far as the relevant games in the Atlantic Division, mm-hmm. and it looked like it was going to be a spectacular night for the Leafs as the Bruins, despite being tied at fives, yeah, 10 goals into the third period. Uh, Over hitting, by the way. Everyone yeah. loves to dunk on me on the wake and rake. And People honestly, do. Yeah, yeah. Not... not unrightful like mm. normally you can you can give it to me i saw someone texting in fade gunner which hey like as long as you're making money Hashtag one way or another fade gunner no just text it oh. in just fade gunner but i did hit that one so mini victory lap for me good good for you thank you 11 goals on game including the sixth uh in regulation for the penguins and Sidney crosby with his 22nd of the season uh, so that was good for the leafs bruins atop the atlantic division picking up zero points and then you know, the Golden Knights go up one nothing, but uh, Panthers are pretty good right now. The Golden yeah. Knights stink right now as well. What's going on? Uh, I don't know. They're not very good. So that was spectacular viewing on Sportsnet. You had the TNT doubleheader mm. in the NBA with, I mean, a couple of games that you could have, well, at least the second game envisioned being close and interesting yeah. with Steph Curry and the Warriors against the defending champs and Jokic, and that was great, and Jokic hitting... A buzzer-beating three from just inside half court off glass. Great line about it as well when he gets asked. Yeah, by like, oh, definitely. Brother, it went in. <laughs> Him punctuating everything with brother. Yeah. I just, I love. And then before that, though, Wemby. My, I, like, that team is horrible. Like, I know the Pistons get all the headlines for being awful, right, with their 28th. Consecutive, they have five wins. Yeah, imagine in San if Antonio. the Spurs didn't have him. He, yeah, like, the Pistons also. I know, like I'm not comparing Cade Cunningham to Wemby, mm-hmm. but it's like they also have a first overall pick that we all think is right. going to be a transcended superstar in the league one day. And uh, yeah, so don't paper over the terribleness going on in San Antonio. Well, and my until last night, goodness, like the highlights coming out of that game. Not to mention that it was a close game, mm-hmm. and, and eventually, yeah, uh, Giannis is what 44 points putting the box on top but Wemby met him at the rim god so good he he met just in the third quarter alone or the fourth quarter alone he has a play where he starts in the paint and blocks a three and mm-hmm. meets the strongest player in the mm-hmm. NBA right now I mean we, and maybe, a footer. yeah we can maybe quibble about that and that's the thing is that the blocking of the three in the corner that feels automatic for him with yeah. a guy of that length and the athleticism he has if there's any question marks about what he is at this stage, it's can he hang in that moment there, mountain of man coming yeah. at him at the rim. Uh, zero problems for, for him. <laughs> it was it was incredible to watch. Yeah, I was thinking about watching that game and the fact that it was close and the fact that the you know, reins were off him a little bit. He is averaging almost 30 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, this is clearly a season where they're getting him acclimated to the NBA and maybe eventually they'll start passing him the ball more in San Antonio when they're interested in winning. <laughs> But anyways, like, yeah, the brains were off him a little bit yesterday because it was the the TNT Thursday night doubleheader. Like, that means something to those players. And it's an individual it's, – it's a team sport, but mm-hmm. it's a sport that you can – you can kind of parse the individual performances and like whether people care a little bit more on yep. a game to game basis than maybe some of the other ones. But that that means something. Those like showcase mm-hmm. weekly games, standalone games on Thursday night mean something to NBA players. In the NFL, like yeah, Sunday nighter, Monday nighter, mm, less so Thursday nighter. But those like yeah, you do you do get a different sense when they're on these mm-hmm. islands, right? Those yep. games in particular. 
Does that exist in the NHL? Because we talk about Hockey Night in Canada and, and why Dennis Hildeby might not start yeah. tomorrow night in uh, in San Jose against the Sharks because that's such an important game, and it is. like it's. But the Leafs play Saturday night mostly. Every Yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> every Hockey Night in Canada. So, I mean, for the opposition, it's a big deal. For the Sharks players, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. Do those, like... Those hyped up games where you you change your mentality going into a regular season game exist in the NHL? I'm going to sound a thousand years old. It definitely used to. You hear guys who are recently retired or longer in the tooth. They talk about getting the hockey night towel like it's a silver stick or something. They're like, the honor I had to be draped with the hockey night towel on a Saturday. And it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's mostly not. You're right, the Leafs play every Saturday, a lot of, almost every Saturday, a lot of them at home. But also, what are the demographics of the league? It's what, six, it's still 60% Canadian or yeah. something along those lines. And it's always going to mean something in that regard to those guys. Not every Saturday night game is the same. You know, the Preds were in here a month and change ago, and that didn't feel like a huge Saturday night. But guess what? Tomorrow's the Sharks, too, in San Jose. In San Jose. And that doesn't always feel that way. But, and you know what? There's the occasional Thursday night that it could have easily been the Bucs blow out the Spurs. And, okay, it's a Thursday night in the NBA. It was cool that Wemby's there, but we see how bad this Spurs team is. That is still the day in the NHL that just generates... The meaning when Crosby comes into town, when Ovechkin, when whoever it is, and part of that is matchup, but there is still something different about it happening on a Saturday versus a Tuesday or a Thursday, or even, and they don't play these very often because it gets my back up when they do, but even if it was a Friday night home game where it's a weekend still, it just feels different. It just means something that it's on Saturday night. I don't know if that's just me. I don't know that a, you know, the pick on the guy I picked on all day yesterday. I don't know if Trevor Zegris, when he's going to his roller hockey, is caring that it's Saturday night. I don't know. But I guarantee you Mitch Marner does. I guarantee you John Tavares does. I guarantee you, you know, the Kachucks do to a certain extent, even though they're not Canadian. I think that means something to them because they grew up in the league and their dad would have talked about it. I would imagine it would have mattered a lot to him. So I do wonder if there's a bit of a kind of generational change. You're laughing at that. No, you don't I'm, think it would have no, meant a lot I'm to Keith I'm just Kachuk. laughing because it's like, oh, Thursday night uh, TNT, right? There's only two games. There's, there's an early game, and a late game. And mm-hmm. it's like, hey, and then that panel, which is the best in all of pro so sports good. with Charles Barkley and Shaq and Ernie and Kenny, like that, 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 yeah, that's part of it as well, that those guys get to talk about you and and you probably do an interview with them if you have an incredible game. Like, mm-hmm. that's part of it. It's like, it's not just Hockey Night in Canada for the Leafs. It's just like every Leaf game. Like, especially if you play in San Jose. If you mm-hmm. play the Leafs, like, yeah. that's the game. No kidding. Yeah, like, no wonder those, the, the, the teams that are lesser lights, no wonder the Leafs have this terrible record against some of the bottom feeders in the NHL over the last seven years. Because those are the games that matter, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not... You know, we don't need some tent pole regular season game during the middle of the season. It's every single Leaf yeah. game. It's not necessarily even Saturday night. Yeah, I think there's there's an element to that. And it's also <laughs> coming here, right? Like we know this Saturday yeah. it's going to be on the road. But right. there's just such a well, large. And the pro- Sharks will be doing a return engagement on Tuesday right. in Toronto. That's their biggest game of the season. Yeah, and go look at what that. Uh, not even here and not even in markets we think of as leaf markets. Like we see it all the time. The Leafs go into Vancouver. That lower bowl is half full and the different shade of blue. And they're upset when they're playing 
at seven o'clock local. But even in Anaheim, mm-hmm. that building is 60% Leaf fans. Go listen to what it sounded like when Tavares scores or when Matthew scores. It is a full-on eruption in a road barn. And I think, again, to bring it back to the, the demographics of the league, like Morgan Riley, mm-hmm. Vancouver boy, born and bred, mm-hmm. Leaf fan growing up. Or maybe he doesn't say it as much, but his dad was a Leaf fan. He talked about this when he got drafted. It's like Leaf games are on every night. And even if you didn't grow up loving them in this country, then you almost certainly grew up Hating them yeah, in this country still means somebody. It, it they are they're the Yankees, they're the Cowboys, they are the one franchise in the sport that can elicit emotion regardless. And I know people are going to say, "Oh, I'm sorry, haven't the Yankees and Cowboys won something kind of recently?" Yes, they have. That's the glaring difference. Mm-hmm. But unlike the Knicks in basketball, like people get excited to go to the Mecca, but I don't know that when the Knicks come to New Orleans, it's a thing and there's no. Knicks fans everywhere. It's not. That's what makes the Leafs slightly different. And again, I don't like, I'm not saying the Leafs are a better, more important franchise no. than any of That's those. Just facts, facts, yeah. man. Facts. Yes. No, we don't necessarily need an in-season tournament, right? Uh, because, you know, just need more Leaf games. It should be, that actually would be a great Somebody should do this. Like, obviously, the NHL isn't going to. But some funny internet person as a bit should hand out the Maple Leaf Cup every year. And mm-hmm. it's just the team with the greatest points percentage against the Maple Leafs. Leafs. Yeah. Every the, year. The games that matter. Like, yeah, the, it's not an issue in this city. The regular season losing meaning. Uh, the, the All regular season games have mm-hmm. tremendous meaning. Yeah. Including tomorrow night in San Jose mm-hmm. against the Sharks. Whether it's Martin Jones against his former team. His second in franchise history in so many statistical categories behind Nabokov, mm-hmm. uh, or whether we get Dennis Hildeby's NHL debut. It's, you know, whenever I, I see this Leafs team twice a year play this Sharks team, I am I'm brought back to that era, as a decade and a half era, mm-hmm. the Joe Thornton era yep. of Sharks teams that were, man, every year I – I thought it was a breakthrough season where, like, finally the regular season success would mm. translate to the postseason. Um, but it never it never fully did. I mean, they made a cup final. Here are the yep. numbers. So they made the playoffs in 13 of the 15 years with Joe Thornton. They won 14 series over those 15 years. They won one President's Trophy uh, during a regular season, obviously. Made one cup final. Um, and in the first seven years, so that's like the, the fair comparison because mm-hmm. we're now through full seven years of Austin Matthews. They won seven series and made a, cu- a couple of conference fi- a, com- a couple of conference finals, including back to back in the sixth and seventh years. Um, obviously, we look back on that era, a mm-hmm. decade and a half, as like a failure. In the moment, I do re- like this is not revisionist no, history. No, no. Like in the moment, I did think like yeah, there's a so there's a one winner, right? <laughs> And that that sucks if you're not that one winner. But there is something. Do, do Sharks fans in the moment view this as a failure? Like, there's a lot worse franchises over this decade and a half. But certainly, post facto, it's hard not to look back on that team as a failure. It's We got another, like, that's only, like, we got this seven-year span of Austin Matthews, the Toronto yep. Maple Leafs. Double that, plus one more year to get to the final, uh, the end term of that Joe Thornton led San Jose Sharks team, but it's it's I I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but my brain does go to that team, especially yeah. when I see this Leafs team who's had 
not even the same regular season success that Sharks team has, but they've been in the playoffs each and every year, have one series victory to, to show for it over seven years. So I pull up the I pull up the hockey reference page for, for the Sharks as a franchise just to kind of see it laid out year over year of what they did. And I think the most interesting thing is that it wasn't a slow bubbling build. It was... Conference finals, yep. conference semifinals, 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 quarterfinals, conference finals. It mm-hmm. was a very yo-yo-y thing. The Leafs just kept banging their head against the door, unable to do anything. And to your point about in the moment, how did you feel? I didn't sit there feeling like the Leafs team were losers, unable to do anything after every one of those Tampa series because to the point we made last year, the one that they finally won was probably the worst series they played of the bunch. So there is something to luck, voodoo, pixie dust, Mm -hmm. magic, whatever you want to call that's in part. That's not the whole thing. That's not the reason why they lost. I'm not trying to say that, but I think that's the most interesting thing is if you're going to do the comparable there, and I think think as they head into San Jose, I'm sure that's a place a lot of people's heads go, is that that group arrived as winners. They kind of just started winning. They won a series in their first year, but only one. But yeah, they won. There was no like, hey, waiting six years to get their first postseason victory. Right. And I suppose you can make the argument of they had the scar tissue. It allowed them to continue to go forward and having the early success allowed them to get over the years where they don't, you know, again, like they make it to a semifinal, a conference final, then they win one less round for the next three years. Then all of a sudden they lose in the quarterfinals the year after that. Does the ability of them having won early on allow them to overcome some of that? I'm sure there is some of that. But I also think with this with this Leafs group, when you're just comparing the first seven years, how, how can you sit here and say they've had anything close to the run that that Sharks team No, had? they haven't. I, I think what I also come down to, because like I, I, I like to learn, right? I, 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 I go into life like trying to learn lessons. Mm. Like I, I look at people's follow, experiences. Follow me, bud. <laughs> I... I look at people's experiences and I'm like, oh, what can I take from that? Like, what did what did they do to to end up in a successful mm-hmm. spot? What didn't they do that maybe held them back? Mm. Is there a lesson to be learned from that decade and a half run of Sharks teams? Like, is there something that that, that Sharks team was missing that was ultimately the, the, their undoing? Was it like they waited too long that they stuck with the core of Marlowe mm. and, and Thornton for as long as they did? Because here's where I'm, I land on it. This is bad luck, man. Like they, they just they, they had some success, and yeah, there were there were some great dynastic teams in their way over some of that span in Detroit. But yeah, ultimately they were good enough, and they made a Cup final, um, and they lost to Sidney Crosby, and and that happens. Like, yeah. what are you gonna do? I that's ultimately the way I look at it. But but that's kind of the way I look at hockey in a lot of respects. That there's a, a huge element of luck in it. Do you, is there something to be learned? From that that Sharks team that can be applied to this Leafs team? I mean, the biggest thing I learned revisionist history-wise is how on earth do you bring in the core of those Sharks teams to be like, hey, boys, follow us. We will show you the way of Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton. (laughs) Like, honestly, how can you not look at it as any other (laughs) way saying, hey, honestly. Even if I'm correct, even if it's just a luck thing, like those guys were physically on the faces of playoff failure. It actually makes me think that that Dubis and Shanahan and whoever else was in Lamorello, I feel like he would have been here for the Marlowe of it all. It does make me think that they're the biggest believers in luck because they have to sit there going, these guys can't lose another whole chunk of playoff <laughs> right. series. Uh, wrong. They yeah. could. If you're going to take lessons out of this, and you and I have talked a lot about this, I think he is far from the problem. I think he has improved year over year over year. 
Sharks make coaching changes, man. Yeah. Daryl Sutter got five, four years in change, and part of that's Daryl Sutter. There's mm-hmm. definitely some element to that there. There's a reason coaches like that don't have long stops. Okay, followed up by Ron Wilson. Maybe, maybe more of the same there, mm-hmm. where you're not going to have a long, long tenure. Then Todd McClellan is the guy there. Then Pete DeBoer is the guy there. Think about how many coaches that is over a relatively successful era and we're sitting here looking at and again I don't think Keith is the problem I think there's a world where if they could have gone out and hired Joel Quenville that maybe Sheldon Keith isn't even the head coach of this team anymore and I'm not talking heading into this season I'm talking about seasons past or other times so if you're gonna say what's the lesson that the Sharks learned that was able to spur I don't know who wants to hear about it but spurn them as far as they got compared to this Leafs team that is the biggest one mm. to me is that they kept the core together and now the other interesting part of this were the dynamics within said core you had two captaincy strippings yeah. in it how does that work? Can you imagine the story? And there's a world where, you know, with there's a world where Tavares and Matthews have some natural handing off of the captaincy, but those are two guys in completely different generations. Mm-hmm. It's Marlo Thornton and Pavelski sharing it among <laughs> the three of them. They're, they're all basically the exact same age. Yeah. That's the other part of this dynamic that I think is very interesting as well. Because when I think of the Sharks era, of course, I'm going to think of Thornton. And I'm going to think of, we just talked about it yesterday, the reason we can review five-minute majors. There's something to that with the DeBoer team at the mm. at the end of it. But I am going to think of the captaincy. And it was just such a sign to me. And maybe this is a classic looking for answers when you just can't figure it out. But that was a sign to me that, ooh, something's rotten there. The idea of having to change captains among a core of roughly the same age, that was the thing that jumped out to me the most. And I do wonder if there's some element of, not that you need to strip John Tavares of the captaincy. I'm not saying that by any means. But again, if you're looking at lessons learned, it's like they had so much dysfunction within that group. And I don't know that, I I don't want to say it exists there but you're not changing the captain because everything is rosy i don't know that the leafs have that here maybe it's the exact opposite problem everybody way too comfortable yeah it's funny you can look at it two ways you're like well how do the leafs get to that level of success that they had in the postseason <laughs> you're yeah. you're not wrong yeah yeah they didn't get over the hump uh it did take until year 10 though to make a cup final so i mean you got a couple of years to, to have that level of success anyways uh we don't know who the the starter will be in goal for tomorrow night's game in San Jose against the Sharks. But the, the Leafs have shown us one thing specifically. Oh, can with, I, can yeah. I quickly amend my opinion on the on the starter? I've yeah. thought about this. Okay. I still think Martin Jones gets the net on Saturday. But I've thought about it, and I would like the Hildebeest to be in net on Tuesday because I wonder if threatening them with an AHL goalie is the only way to avoid a trap game. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, curious. Well, okay. It's like, do you want Ilya Samsonov back in net? Mm. I don't think so. Go protect this kid. All right, so let's, retroactively, let's 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 try and decipher what that starting of Martin Jones in the back end of back-to-backs mm-hmm. and the deployment of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner for 25-plus minutes. Like, mm-hmm. that, that's the other thing, right? It's yep. like, that team was so intent on picking up the full two points in Anaheim against a bad Ducks team that they... They deployed the almost 34-year-old goalie who's, good, like, the only, we know, NHL-capable goaltender within the organization right now, and they played their superstars on the back end of back-to-backs almost 30 minutes, right? So what, do, what does that tell us, that, that this team prioritized 
regular season points against the Anaheim Ducks in early January as opposed to maybe taking the long-term view of, of, yeah, it's just another game against an out-of-conference opponent. I look at it slightly differently. I'm not poo-pooing your the way you look at it in terms of them being desperate to get the two points. I think they very much wanted to get the two points. When I look at them playing Jones, I think of that as, again, I've made this point a million times this week. I think if these games are anywhere else, I don't know that they go back to him in the back-to-back. I really do think there is something of comfortability in those buildings, the really super light travel, the light night that they made it on him before. I think if it's at all a more taxing game or if it goes even just a tick worse for Jones in that game than you're seeing Hill to be there. And then in terms of them leaning on Matthews and Marner and Nylander the way they did, I, again, it's not that they are, it's not that they are undesperate to get those two points, but I look at that more as you need to give these guys the every opportunity possible to break through the dam. The frustration that those guys must feel sitting on the bench, Matthews with his 30,000 grade A looks in that game with nothing to show for it. Nylander buzzing, Tavares having a ton of chances. To me, that is a coach understanding his team, understanding that these guys can handle more ice than you'd want and saying, you know what? You guys deserve it. You are playing your butts off out here today. So it's you a circumstantial to. thing. I, to me, it is. I'm not completely poo-pooing what you're saying. I think there's yeah. definitely something to it, but I just think that stuff is just as much, if if not more at play to yeah. me. Okay, maybe you can parse the two things, right? The playing of uh, Matthews and Marner, Nylander, extended minutes, and the starting of Martin Jones. Because to me, the starting of Martin Jones is like, hey, get, you know, like that this matters to us like this regular season game matters to us and to me i think there's there's two prongs to it one i think is is the more pressing one is like we risk really losing the room here if we if we start dennis hill to be and we get yet mm, another this is a very good point we, we get yet another uh undoing of a good effort from a good team this season and a loss of points because we don't have nhl caliber goaltending and not that there's going to be like an an explicit like you know, there's not going to be an uprising, right? But it, those guys are only human. Who would lead it? Rebo? E, right. Like, it's <laughs> there's not a mutiny afoot, right? If if Dennis Hildeby plays in that game in Anaheim and allows five goals on ten shots, like, but that's, man, if you, we saw the game in Buffalo, mm-hmm. okay, they played poorly for 60 minutes. How much of that is because, like, what's the point yep. here? What, what are we doing? What, what does it matter? We got nobody. We're basically playing with an empty net. Like, that's only natural. So that's part of it. The other thing... I do believe to be true, mm. and it continues to be true the way the Bruins have not kept up the pace that they they set the first month and a half of the season, is that the top of the Atlantic is attainable, and I think this organization believes it changes its percentage chance of winning a postseason series by like a whole lot. Mm. If you can avoid the Bruins and the Panthers in the first round, and you can play a Metro opponent as a wild card, in the opening round of the postseason and, and delay that matchup against teams that are a little bit playoff tested at this point mm-hmm. in the proceedings, I, I think this organization looks at that as a, as a huge, huge carrot at the end of an 82-game regular season. 
Yeah, I think there is obviously a benefit. I would much rather play just about any team in the Metro than the Panthers or the Bruins, but there's certainly an element of be careful what you wish for there. I mean, just looking at it now, the Devils are lurking there, and I know they can't get a save to save their life, but they also did the thing the Leafs couldn't do in any of their tries until last year. They just went and won a series with a whole bunch of young kids on their team. So I be careful what you wish for in terms of that. Obviously, if you get like a Flyers or something, you are laughing. I know famous last words. This will come back to bite me when Nick Delorier has four goals in the series or something like that. And then the other part of it as well. And this is just feel free to look me in the eye and say, Oh, grow up. But I want no part of lightning. I cannot, I cannot right. do it again. I cannot it's weird to look prof- at that lightning professionally. Team. I cannot do it again. And personally, I cannot do it again. Played 40 games. Yeah. That's the, that is the thing that makes you think they're going to slip back here. The, the devils have four games in hand on them. The flyers have two, even the capitals who, you know, I don't expect to make any run here or anything along those lines. They have four games in hand on the, uh, on the lightning. So, and then yeah. Sid's kind of lurking there as well. Like they've, they, they're very much in the mix, especially with I the mean, victory over, the Atlantic again I just don't believe Bruins. I just don't believe good things can happen so I uh, that's why I'm weary of the mm-hmm. go win your division and you take care of all your problems in the first round when oh just Sidney Crosby is lurking or the the corpse that is the Tampa Bay Lightning or the upstart devils mm-hmm. the east is a the east is a bit of a beast like all the teams that we sit there and look at that have flaws I can sit here and tell you why they would be world beaters in a second as well. Like the Penguins, again, like we see them. We've seen the flaws. Leafs, 8 nothing. We know how it looks, but I don't know. Like you want to you wanna bet against Sidney Crosby in a playoff series? Do you want to do that? I'm not saying I'd take him as favorites, but it is such a terrifying proposition. And then you've, again, like you've, you flip things over to the West and you just, you look at some of these playoff teams. Like, okay, the Oilers are in a spot there, but it's, it's cracking, it's flames, it's predators. Like, what are we doing here? You know, and I suppose you could make the case of Soros being just as scary as any player I just mentioned in the East, but it is... It, it feels to me like we're going to spend a lot of the time talking about how mediocre all these teams are. And then after the trade deadline, we're going to sit here talking about how eight of the 10 best teams in the league are in the East again, or something along those lines. Yeah. So that's why I look at it and say, yes, you want the division. Of course you do, but killing yourself for it or playing Matthews and Marner 25 a night or running all they got Martin Jones into the ground to do it. I think it's a, I think, but they did that. Well, I, again, so it's disagree. one game. It's one game. Yeah. Okay. I guess like if, it, if, if they continues. go back to if it's back to back against the Avs and the Red Wings next weekend, <laughs> then yes, you can you can look me in the eye and say they are running him into the ground and they are terrified of Hildeby. But that's the other part of it is don't aren't we going to learn how scared they are to play Hildeby really soon here? I would think. But I mean, yeah, the 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 next back to back does not exist until a week's time uh, against the aforementioned Avs. And Red Wings. There was one moment from, and I know it's two days ago now, but, you know, the scouting report from what we've seen on Hill to be, he's really tall. That's what we hear. But the other thing we hear from Bukla is he can't play the puck Mm -hmm. to save his life. And there was a moment late in the third in that Ducks game last night where Jones just cuts off a dump in, immediately quick ups it. And I think Nylander basically catches the stretch pass at the opposing team's blue line. And you don't make your goaltending decisions based on that, but... 
It I can got, help you. It really can. And I, I have to be honest. It's like when I think of Martin Jones, I'm, I'm still getting myself over the seasickness that I feel with the guy who passed through waivers. I'm like, I'm past that now. So I'm just getting to actually appreciate the finer parts of his game. And yeah, how can you not look at that play and say that's a plus asset, especially compared to everything we know about Hildeby, which is what Jason Bukala knows about him, mm-hmm. which is that he can't play the puck. Yeah. Generally, I, I think, yeah, that, that makes me nervous more often than you, oh, you get the goalie- benefit. From when a goal is yeah. good. I, I will say if he can't play the puck and he just stays tethered to his yeah, crease, I'm that's fine great. With that. But that almost never happens. I feel like the you guys. Think Dennis Hildeby no, is going to be going for a skate. He's going to be Patrick no, Watt, I, the red line. God, that's still. Of all the Patrick <laughs> moments, that's certainly it's certainly up there. But no, I think that I think that sometimes when you have an obvious glaring hole, you can try to, oh, this is an easy time to play it. Let me let me prove to people I can do it. Mm. Not that I think you'd be doing that in his NHL debut, but I don't know, something something I noticed when, when I saw Jones with uh, an incredible, incredible pass in that Ducks game. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if it means something. Maybe it means a lot to Martin Jones to start in San Jose. Maybe that's, you know, rewarding a guy who's played it, super well. It was like it a 9.30 to. save percentage. It has to mean something. How can it not? It's like, it's where all his good memories are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some... Some bad ones, too, as we said how it ended all the time. But sure. A lot of good. Yep, it did. Uh, we'll see. Uh, that's tomorrow night. Tonight, though, Raptors in Sacramento to play a Kings team looking for the pizza party. Third straight win on the line. We'll get into that next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 590, the fan band. Frank Gunning. It's Friday. Everybody's excited. Yeah. Although some of us are going to get teeth pulled out of our heads, like in a matter of hours. Yeah, I'm not thrilled about that. A little, <laughs> little wisdom teeth yankage for your boy in about, uh, I don't know, four and a half hours, God, something like that. Fridays are such banna from heaven. Like, there's so much, as I'm not going to complain about the lifestyle of doing a morning show, but yeah. there's a lot. Like, man, yeah, you, Sunday is. A lot of preparation for Monday. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of going on in sports. Yep. And, you know, the early wake-ups. But, like, one of the biggest benefits of of working mm-hmm. this early in the morning is, well, weekdays, yeah, your your day starts early, but you mm-hmm. got a nap. But, like, Friday, you can push through the pain because there's yep. no show the next day. Mm-hmm. And your weekend starts yeah. at 9 o'clock in the morning unless you got to go to a medical professional to use metal equipment to mm-hmm. pull your teeth out of your face. Yeah. That sucks uh, for you. I'm sorry. Thanks, man. No, no. it's just suck. Yeah, again, the teeth that you have in your mouth yeah. are going to be pulled out. Yep. Like, guys going to use all his strength. I, He's going to rip okay. the right. teeth out of your face. I actually have had it described to me more as them breaking the teeth and then pulling the chunks out, <laughs> oh which is somehow worse. Uh, yeah, no, I'm super thrilled, man. You want to talk about other things that suck? Uh, how do we feel? I actually was thinking, I'm thinking about this. I, I just, I know you're trying to do like funny radio bit. I actually, like, no, I, I, it's like a two prong thing. Like I'm, I'm leaning into it, but like, I am. Yeah. I'm, uh, your boy did not sleep last night. I don't like going to doctors or hospitals or dentists. 
for that matter. And I've you'll been, be fine. I've no, had it done before. Yeah. See, this. So I actually will say to pull back the curtain a little bit. I've mm-hmm. had problems, and you know, uh, my father, rest in peace. I feel like this might have stemmed from him. That I, I've had this idea my whole life that I had an exceptionally low pain tolerance. That I complained about everything. I was a mm-hmm. whiner, and then. Five, six years ago, I had like an ultimate old lady injury. I slipped, fell on ice, and broke my shoulder blade. That happened. And then what ended up happening was before I went to the hospital, I guess I popped my shoulder back into place. And I was like, oh, that kind of hurt. And then I was talking to my wife, who was a nurse, and she's like, I actually feel like you might have like slightly higher pain tolerance. So now every time I have one of these procedures Mm -hmm. where where this is the classic one of those people go, oh, have fun with that. You're going to be feeling sore. I'm like... Am I, is it just in my head? Will no, I? You do won't. I have no pain Tonight, tolerance? Today I, you won't. You'll have. You'll be fine. First of all, you're getting gas to the Jesus belt. They're right? actually they they offered that. There was also another option of I'm taking some. This is way more medical than anybody needs. But I'm taking some. I have to get there an hour ahead of time to take some pill. And then I was talking to the pharmacist about it yesterday. She's like, "You're gonna be feeling." Great, hmm. bud. So I don't hmm. know whatever's going on with that. Okay, so, <laughs> so you, you don't know specifically what it is. You're just going to ingest gonna it. Ta- they're going to tell me to take it. Okay, uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, yeah, and then I'm supposed I'm supposed to go hang out with a bud tomorrow. Like get the kids together. Okay. I think that's Best probably no. Nah, that's probably getting pushed. I think. Yeah, I, I do think. recall like there's there's definitely like a swelling that mm-hmm. occurs. Like you got to take a, a picture of yourself tomorrow because, okay. like, that's that's going to be comical. You, you want to see it? Yeah, sure. I'll text it to you. All right. Best of luck. Uh, the, the the segue I was trying to make about things that there suck. Was? Yeah, yeah. Is, well, and then I got sidetracked with the story. But back to the segue I was trying to make. How do we feel about the Leafs and Raptors 10.30 starts and 9 o'clock starts bleeding into one another. Like, mm-hmm. well, this is a thing in our business, right? For mm-hmm. some people, you know, Kipper and Bourne, I know they had to work the game, but they start their show at 4 o'clock. They can live through a 10.30. Mm-hmm. A ten, but, you know, us, these are hard on us. People who work normal jobs, you got to get up and go to work and be mm-hmm. there at 8, 9 in the morning. Do we like that it's all over and done with now that we it's do not, not have to... not over and done with, though. Like, the Raptors play on the no, road no, no. in California next week no, 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 back-to-backs but, uh, against I'm, the Clippers and Lakers. What I'm getting at is that it's all in one chunk. Yeah. We have Leafs this mm. week. We have Raptors starting this week. We had yeah. It's like tiptoeing into it. We had eight. Then we had the nine Leafs start. Now we have a 10 o'clock Kings game. Then we're going to have the late games next week. Do we like just getting it all over and done with in this two-week chunk or... Would you rather that, like, next week was a more normal week yeah. and we didn't have to stay up and watch stuff yeah, at 10.30? I, I would have been fine if the Raptors were playing. I mean, so, I'd be fine if they just never went out there. E, sure. Or, the they, game. or they all did the, yeah. Yeah, the, I don't think that's happening. Of the I, don't think, I don't think the Lakers would be starting at 4 p.m. local. Sure. No, I, w- I, I think, yeah. I, w- I would have preferred if the Raptors did those Lakers-Clippers games this past week. Mm. And yeah, yeah, you we were on do- vacation. Yeah, no, no, oh, this week. Okay. Right? Like, we're, we're, the Leafs were playing 10.30 in, in L.A. and 9 o'clock. In Get our Atlanta. double dip in. Yeah, just that's rip fair. the Band-Aid off. Right, and now it fair. bleeds into a second week. But yeah. uh, as you mentioned, they are in California starting tonight in Sacramento against the Kings team looking for their first three-game winning streak of the season. Now, with every conversation I have about the R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly mm-hmm. of it all. The toxic asset. We didn't even mention that, that people were calling R.J. Barrett that, apparently. Well, they were t- the contract. I know Zach Lowe on his mean. podcast talked about the 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 amount of dollars that are still owed to him, and that it's a net 
negative honorary asset. honorary Canadian. He's gonna talk about us like that. How dare he? Yeah, he's not. I think people looked at that headline and were like, "Oh, well, I know I did." I was like, yeah, "Oh, I oh, there was did. there was a, a a personality <laughs> problem." No, it has nothing to do with that. It's it's just money. literally the amount of money that's that's owed to him. Anyways, they're looking for their their, their third straight win tonight, and with every conversation, so they. This is undeniably true that they've been more watchable with R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. They've also been successful on the court. They're two and zero, but I do temper my 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 expectations of what this team can be under this new regime, right? Like it's only it's small sample, and there's it's not perfect start to finish, and it's the Cavs without Evan Mobley. And no, there's Garland, and like, and then you got a Memphis team that's well below 500. And I, I know like John Morant, they've been much better with him, but they're they're still like not some superstar team. Like, at what point? Like, what is the victory you need to see where you're like, holy crap! Like, this is wow! Like now, now you're telling me something. Well, the hard part about that is that they've had those before they made the trade. Like this Raptors team has proven mm. an ability to stand toe to toe with some elite teams. In the league, I mean, you know, I know it doesn't really count because it was at the start of the season, but remember the game they played against the Timberwolves to tip off the year? They've had other games like that. So I think that's the kind of confounding part of all this is that, yeah, you'd you'd love to say another clinical win tonight and it's against a good Sacramento team that does have, you know, not a long record, but they actually started building some success last year that you'd want to say that's it, but... I don't know that one single victory would do it for me. I feel like you just need to see consistency because that is what's plagued this Raptors group all year long. And the hope is now that, again, it's the easy math of the trade that you turned one important player into two that you just hope that uh, if it's quickly or if it's Barrett or if it's Siakam or if it's Barnes that's having an off night, the others can kind of paper it over because when there wasn't, when it was just OG, and again, we all love OG, but he was never really a focal point of the offense here that if Siakam or Barnes had an off night, that was kind of enough to do in the team. So I think that's what I need to see. It's not one win. It wouldn't, honestly, it wouldn't matter. Whoever you think is the best team in the NBA, if they go and beat them, I don't know that 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 one win changes it for me because I need to see it for for a month or or two weeks or something along those lines. No, that's a good point because yeah, okay, game one of the season against the T Wolves team that we didn't realize was mm-hmm. going to be as good as they were. They won. They greatest they, defensive team of all time. They apparently. beat a, a Bucks team early on in the season where we're still learning yep. about both teams. Remember, they went into Dallas uh, and and beat the Mavericks early on. This season, no, yeah. there there's some good wins on this team's resume. They went into Indiana and played a Pacers team that was an in-season tournament finalist, mm. right? No, they, whatever they, whatever it is that means. <laughs> but I think the point that you made that is the most correct is that it's consistency, and there are two wins previous to this. I think, like if if they win tonight in Sacramento against a very good Kings mm-hmm. team that has a very good record that's fifth in the West with wins over Denver, Phoenix, and OKC, a couple of wins against a very good Thunder team this season. And God, like I know the, the Warriors are a diminished version of themselves, but like say, God forbid, this team ends up winning four consecutive to mm-hmm. start this six-game road trip in the first two games of the six game road trip and we're we're sitting here on Monday talking about a four game winning streak. I won't this. be here, but you'll you'll be doing great. Right. I'll be here with Jesse Rubinoff and and yeah, we're thinking about your your chipmunk face. Thanks. Um if that happens, I I'm already like so this You is, wanna get sucked in. I, I I'm already like I, I'm talking about a thing that's not necessarily true with me because I'm already sucked in. Yeah. yeah I'm already say, I'm already there. But like 
I will not hesitate okay. to talk about how great this team already is. That that with Pascal Siakam, they're already a top four seed in the Eastern Conference. Because I'm not doing it yet, because mm-hmm. because of the things I said yeah, about yeah. the Cavs and 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 the Grizzlies and and those wins being nice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's different than winning the first two games against good teams and various levels of good in Sacramento and Golden State. Yeah, I think the thing that's interesting too to watch from this is that. You know, the the Raptors, they, when you have such an obvious problem that they had in terms of just the lack of guards who can generate and do anything for them, that you needed to make a big kind of pendulum swing trade and that you go from a guy who, again, he's not nothing offensively, but OG's there because of what he can do defensively for you, that you bring in these two guys. And again, I think quickly is a smart defender. I think Barrett can be capable, but neither of those guys are there for their defense. I think that's the interesting part of this to watch is that this Raptor offense will only continue to improve as those guys gel together more and more it's what is going to happen on the defensive side of things without and without the guy who has been the best defender on your team I don't know kind of, well not since he got here because of how good that defensive team was you have Marc Gasol and Serge Ibaka and all those guys on the title team but since then he's been the best defender far and away that this team has had now Scotty Barnes is more than capable. He can be a great defender. And that is where I think it's going to be interesting to watch how they balance the offensive load because you want Scotty Barnes to be the tip of the spear. But if he is now the guy you need to be your best defender and your most versatile defender, what does that do to what you ask him to do on the offensive end? Like that is the thing I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see how it kind of plays out in this game tonight against the Sacramento Kings team where you have, you know, uh, where you have a guy in, in Fox and Sabonis, it's like Sabonis, maybe more of a natural matchup for Barnes there, but there's not the obvious fit for who guards Fox like it'll be it'll be really interesting to see the the other I mean the real reason you should temper your expectations or or just hold back a little bit is because when the Raptors didn't hold back when when they bought into a small sample of a second half of the season Mm -hmm. and a comeback in a postseason series to force a Sixers team that was up 3-0 to six games in 21-22 and a Scotty Barnes rookie of the year Mm -hmm. campaign and a bunch of games that were weirdo because you had guys playing in NBA games that shouldn't because of COVID, and they won 48 of them. Yep. Was that, you know, you you bought into fool's gold, right? That that was not real. So there isn't, as much as I've been encouraged by these first two games, I'm like, I'm excited to get more excited mm-hmm. about this Raptors iteration. And, like, I don't discount the possibility of re-signing Pascal Siakam to what is either a max or near max mm-hmm. ex- extension and running this thing back for a little bit longer next year. There's a potential problem with that, and it's one that we've seen recently, that you can you can give yourself too much credit and then box yourself in to a core that's not good enough and handcuffs you financially. Yeah, I mean, they they are on the precipice of doing exactly that. If they do not trade Pascal Siakam, they have to extend him. They cannot do the Fred Van Vliet thing, the Kyle Lowry thing over and over and over again. And that is why this is the... Is it fair to say this is the most important month and a half, two month stretch in Masai Ujiri's Raptors tenure? It is. It is. And it's also the most important um, month of evaluation because it's like, okay, even if the the Raptors have an incredible record, like, what does that mean? You have to like parse like what it means. Like, is that, is it real? Is it fool's gold? Like, 
what what are the circumstances in which you're winning these games? Because mm-hmm. again, look at the back half of the wins and the incredible record that the yep. Raptors put up in 21-22, leading into that postseason series against the Sixers, where they almost came back uh, from down 3-0. I mean, they didn't. They lost in six games, but Scotty Barnes hurt in, the, in that series, and like, and then how much equity was put in that? What was a relatively small sample of success that lasted almost two years with this group because they're like, wait, we saw like a mm-hmm. fleeting moment where this all worked and, you know, Project 6-9 and, and it it set you back pretty significantly because you were unwilling to give up on that group. So it's important. It is, but it's important like to to separate the results from the process and extrapolating what this team can be going forward from this month of basketball. Yeah, and I think that's the and that's the point you brought up. That's why it's so good that they are getting punched in the mouth the second they made this trade. They go on this trip, and there's no there's no cheap wins to be had. They pick up the win against the Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies are a perfect team. Far from it, but they're not bad, especially with Jaw. Like they're they're very bad actually without Jaw in the lineup. But guess what? Uh, one player in the NBA actually matters a whole lot, especially when he's as good as Jaw Moran. This Kings team, this is going to give them, and I think the other thing about it is they're all very different tests, right? Like this Kings team, like to pay fast, like to run. Lakers, Clippers, going to be much more slow, methodical games. They, you know, this game tonight is going to test their versatility, their athleticism. Those games against the Clippers and Lakers, that's all basketball IQ and understanding how you work together. And I think that's the that's the part that is going to be able to illuminate so many things is that in this very kind of short run here. You have so many different Mm. tests being on the road, different types of teams. You're going to come home and deal with two more really, really stout challenges that I don't think there's going to be able to be any fool's gold out of this. I mean, yeah, there's a world where Scotty Barnes shoots 50% from three or Emmanuel quickly doesn't miss between now and then. And then you do have to look at it because we know nothing lasts forever when you have outliers and shooting percentage or things like that. But just because of the quality of opponents, I don't think they're, can be fool's gold in this run. Yeah, maybe not. And and maybe 21-22 was such a weirdo year again with like the covid of it all and mm-hmm. and some some destructed lineups that yeah, that that's the one season where what I'm talking about is is possible. It's funny that you know, that loss to that Pistons team in Detroit to snap their 28 game Didn't losing streak. Don't know what you're talking about. Like not only didn't happen, but like the post game uh, media availability from Dennis Schroeder. Like, it was... That, you don't get that type of... Damning. ...of uh, candid conversation from professional athletes. End of sentence. Like, across any sport, and specifically the NBA, when you're talking about a first-year player, talking about the selfishness that yeah. existed in that Raptors team. Now, it should also be stated, so that that was the Raptors team without... OG without RJ Barrett and without Emmanuel quickly that, that was after the trade had been consummated but before the new guys were in and before OG arrived in New York but we like we've moved past that comment and in the first two games with the new guys it does feel like that whatever fear you had the selfishness that Masai Ujiri talked about last season before this season Okay, it's, that's that hasn't reared its ugly head in the two games with the new dudes. Is so maybe this isn't fair because Pascal mm-hmm. Siakam did play in that Pistons game, and maybe yeah. that's part of the reason or part of the 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 thing that uh, Dennis Schroeder was talking about. But it is noticeable to me. Okay, so Pascal Siakam was the face, I think, 
of the selfishness. When Masai Ujiri mm-hmm. said, we, we need to stop being so selfish, and he did it again twice. Yep. At the end of last season, before the season, there's one guy I thought of, and it's the pending free agent. Not OJ Ananobi is a pending free yep. agent, but it's it's it was Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm alone in that. Now, OG Ananobi, he also had some curious moments throughout the course of his mm-hmm. tenure here in Toronto and offseason and, and things that were denied explicitly by him. But, like, Jake Fisher reported that this guy wanted a bigger role mm-hmm. on this team. Now he's gone, and it's worked out swimmingly in New York, right? Like, the Knicks fans are not going to talk about yep. him being the face of selfishness. But, like, is it possible that we put too much of that on Pascal and that OG should be bearing some of the responsibility of the selfish play with this team over the last year and a half? Some, for sure. I, I To me, that always reeked of, if I'm going to be in Toronto on this team, I need to get more shots. It wasn't that OG is sitting there going, I am a number two option in the NBA. What have you all been missing this whole time? Look at me. I don't think he was sitting there saying that because he's not saying that in New York. It was mm-hmm. clearly if I'm going to be here on this team that is not a championship team, which is what I kind of grew up in. Remember, this is a guy who just grew up in 50 win Raptors land and championships. And then all of yeah. a sudden he's the third banana on a team that no one expects to do anything that didn't reek to me of, I hate being a Raptor. I don't like these guys, but if this is the circumstance I'm in, I'll go do this somewhere else is what it always kind of reeked of to me. And I think there is some element to that, that yeah, he should wear some of the selfishness. I still need to see how all these pieces fit together when there's some adversity here and it's not just all sunshine and rainbows and coach Darko we're on the verge of a pizza party and I'm sorry, but Siakam is the guy I look at the most there because RJ Barrett, he's going to do everything in his power to make this work. Like we always talk about this with hockey players. You don't think RJ Barrett is looking at this going, Oh my God, what this could do for me mm-hmm. financially image wise, all of that. And does he want to win? Yes, because and he's already under contract and he's already under contract. Okay. You have a guy in quickly who they brought in here to do exactly what he's doing. He's not going to have his role diminished in any way, shape or form. Scotty Barnes, his importance is only going to grow as the organization continues to flourish. And then you have Pascal Siakam, who is still sitting there saying, I need my max. I don't even put this on him as as much of a a flaw or a negative thing. But if you're looking at it as who who is the most likely to be selfish going forward, there's nobody else to look at, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. other than Pascal. I think the OG stuff is fair to look at in past tense. But going forward, Mm -hmm. there's really only one guy that makes any sense. The only other way you can look at it and say, in my opinion, selfishness will be a problem is if Scotty Barnes doesn't like the help that got brought in and said, what are we doing taking the ball out of my hands? But I can't see a world where that's happening at all. No, and I haven't seen a problem with pecking order. I've, no. I've, I've seen Pascal Siakam play exceptionally well in the two games, yep. the new dudes, and I, I think everybody like kind of happy with the shot distribution. But what do I know? We'll see. Uh, looking for three straight wins in 2024. Three straight wins since the trade as well. Tonight, in uh, Sacramento against the Kings. All right, when we come back, it's the final week of the NFL's regular season. Mm. Tomorrow, big day for the Bills. They don't play tomorrow, but like... All eyes on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Implications galore. Uh, we'll talk to our man, Charles Davis, the NFL on CBS Next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.